Welcome to another edition of Two Irish Guys <laughs> Discussing <laughs> Software. A, a new opening. Ah, yeah, sure. We have to try something new this time, you yeah. know. Welcome. Yeah, here we are in end of April mm. 2021. Uh, we're going to talk about software vendors again, as normal. We're going to talk about the mega vendors, but we're going to look at their consumption habits and do they consume more than they create is the question we have today. Nice. And it's very apt that we have that conversation today because what is it? Earning season. Yes, it is earning seasons, the time of the year. Yeah, this has been crazy. Look at last year. We had, was it, 634 billion in uh, acquisition money spent Mm. in deals done in 2020. That's a lot of Uh, consumption. That's nearly nearly double the previous year. So a lot of consumption going on. Mm. But we have a great show. We have, we're going to talk about Kindrel. (laughs) Hold it. We'll talk about that in a minute. Kindrel. Sorry, I can't stop. (laughs) We're going to have a little bit about IBM earnings. We're going to have a Microsoft story. We've got Google VRicle. We've got SAP. And we have a fantastic guest, Devin Matthews. He is, he's a podcast king. He is the managing partner and founder of Parker Gale, private equity firm. And he does a cracking podcast himself called the Private Equity Fundcast. Mm. He's a friend of yours, I believe. He is. I know Devin, Devin well. Yeah, been in Chicago numerous times. We've hung out. We went to the Irish versus All Blacks game I'm way, so jealous. way back when. Can you remember? Chicago. Chicago. That was 2016. 2016. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, no, I've listened to uh, Devin and Jim quite a lot. And uh, they have a jingle as well, which we don't have, which is a thicker one. But, uh, but yeah, we've had some good times out in Chicago. Jingles cost money, though. <laughs> you know, that will have. <laughs> This, this is a really cut price version. They're, they're doing there since 2014, so we'll give it yeah. a miss. But speaking of jingles, actually, I, I was listening to a couple of, of their podcasts, and Devin, we'll ask him this later. He called himself the, like the traveling, they call themselves the traveling Wilburys of private equity. They like their music. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Do you remember the traveling Wilburys? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they like their music and their movies huh. and their TV shows. Yeah. So we used to discuss that a lot when we were over there. What was that song, End of the Day? Or. It was a, okay, you're, you're, the, you're the singer yeah, here. I walked over there. The uh, yeah. Handle with Care, I think, was another one. They had a couple of good, good, good tunes. But yes, yeah, so we've got a great show. We've got a great show. We'll talk to Devon in about 15 minutes' time. But yeah, we have to start with, with, with me. <laughs> well, <laughs> so we'll start with you. I just have to start with me. Do you know yeah. what's happened to me? Yeah, I went well, to London yeah. last week for my first trip since March 2020. I've had six COVID tests. You're okay. I'm here in the room with you. Only because I got my six tests and Nasty. all of them. All of them, thankfully, negative. Well done. Yeah. yeah. So I did a, t- I did a, a, a kind of a home uh, antigen test before yeah. I did my PCR test before I okay. flew out. That was number. That was the first one. Then the PCR test before I flew. Then I had to do another PCR test in the in London before I came before I flew back. Yeah. And then I did two antigen tests then over Jeez. the weekend and Monday morning. And then I had another test, uh, which I got just got the results in the last two hours, because otherwise I have to do this at home by law. Wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Well, so now now I'm allowed out in the bag again. Which and you is, went to one place? I went Six to... Tests. No, what? <laughs> to go to one place, exactly. <laughs> just to go to one place yeah. for five days. I'm a little bit hoarse because I spent the week talking outdoors. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so... If it, well, it's a positive that you were negative. Yeah. You know, as, uh, as it was said... Somebody actually, said that recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So negatively uh, positive or positively. But you should do it. Travel without the tests. Yeah, I'm not fond of the tests myself. I had a I had a very poor reaction to the swab or the or the uh, the long earbud being shoved up my nose. I have a very clean really the nasal passage now. I can yeah, assure you. I really you. didn't like that. <laughs> but yeah, no. So I'm 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 good and and traveling is back. A little bit awkward. Mm-hmm. So hopefully. 
next time I travel, it won't be as, as, as challenging. Jesus, but, uh, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's better to be a prisoner in your own home country rather than well, travel. Well, the news is all coming to us. So, you know, before we get into the earnings, what? Let's let, listen, we can't not talk. Oh, about man, it. it's just the company that keeps on giving. It doesn't you know? it? I mean, every time we have a podcast, we go, I wonder what IBM are doing. And they have trumped, pardon the pun, everything this time. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about new names or new co since October. I know. And we've been watching the appointments of various CEOs and marketing directors and so forth. And we've been wondering, we actually had a conversation about brand recently. Um, and we talked about the brand, you know, brand management and brand damage and all of that. And we thought, what will they do? I mean, I think Nuco might have been better, but no, they've come out with a classic, which actually I had to keep having to write down because it's impossible to remember. It's that modern, but it's Kendrill. Kid, Kendrill. <laughs> Kendrill. And look, it's just, it's been great watching what people have been saying online about it. But but let me just give you the definition, just so we're all clear. Can I just say something yeah. before you before you go <laughs> yeah. there? Because as I was leaving the house an hour and a half ago, I walked oh, down the stairs yeah. and I haven't, because I've been kind of isolating myself in the, in the house for the last few days. Yeah. And uh, my wife, Leona, goes to me, uh, where are you off to? I said, I'm going in to record the podcast. Yeah. And she said, what, what, what do you mean you're going in to record the podcast? You're out of your mind. Yeah. I said, what are you going to do? What's, what's, I, said, I said, we have a guest. I said, what are you going to talk about? I said, we're going to talk about Kindrel. And she's like, well, what the hell are you talking about the Kardashians? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> I what I said. I yeah. can't do that. Yeah. That's exactly what she said to me. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Well, I, I actually posted a LinkedIn reply with the exact same, is it a, is it a character from the Kardashians? Yeah. But no, it's not. It's a real name of a real company, apparently. Yeah. That's in the in the decline. Talk about the decline of the company. But yeah, yeah so Kin, Kin, K-Y-N, yeah. uh, from Kinship. Yeah. Something to do with relationships and people, employees and customers for the first time, maybe. Maybe I get that bit. But the next bit is is drill, which comes from tendril, which apparently is supposed to bring to mind new growth and advancing human progress. And you stick them together, and what do you get? You lost me. Yeah, kindrel. But it's okay because even though I've lost you, 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 there is a YouTube video that they've had to create to let people know how to pronounce it and what it's about. But there's been some funny kind of commentary on it. Uh, actually, there's a character in the in the world of Warcraft, which is kind of this adventure game thing, oh, yeah. called Kindrel, spelt the exact same way. Apparently, there's an IKEA product which I couldn't find on the IKEA website, but but I hear it's a toilet brush, this is <laughs> or something related to latrine, which would be suitable for IBM. And there's a nasal spray of a similar name. But we've also got Benadryl. You remember Benadryl? A nasal spray. Yeah. That would, that could have been helpful for me. It could. Have been. <laughs> So, but anyway, it's modern. It's hard to remember, but folks, it's okay. There's a YouTube video you wow. can go and check out. And uh, yeah, they've really, um, it's a, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. And so you said there's a toilet brush. Well, because <laughs> yeah, you know, they, I, remember they named their System Z. Remember that you had that with Paul Ironrich a few months oh, ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they had to change the name. Was it said System System Z because it's a, a Japanese toilet? Japanese toilet. <laughs> so they obviously like stuff to do with latrines yeah. and, 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 and uh, you know, yeah, but yeah. anyway, it's 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 brilliant. So best of luck to them. But on, but on a serious note, that company is, regardless of what they're called, there's going to be serious challenges there. Yeah, look, they've broken it up, and and they broke it up for for probably good reasons. I mean, I don't think the breaking it up 
was a bad idea. We've been saying that we've been, you know, you called it actually, I think on podcast number one that they break it up. Uh, but it doesn't seem to have done anything to their to their to their earnings. Uh, like looking at what you know their Q one results. You know they tr- they've tried to suggest in some of their commentary that the revenue was up, but actually on on a comparative currency basis they're down one percent compared to six percent decrease in the prior quarter. GBS was down. GTS, which is now Kindrel, Kindrel, yeah, uh, it's down. Kendall, uh, unex- you know, expectedly it's down kind of 5.3%. So it's kind of hard to find really anything positive in anything that they ever do in their earnings, right? Yeah. So I'd say it must be very hard for them to go out every quarter and stand up in front of people and say what's going on because it's it's kind of pretty depressing. Cloud and cognitive software was up 0.8%, which is pretty poor when you compare it to what's going on in Amazon and Google and Microsoft, who are all post-boasting you know, 30% increases in yeah. year on year, quarter on quarter, you know, to be able to say it's up 0.8%, it must be pretty, uh, pretty difficult. So and as they promote themselves as being the hybrid cloud company, and that that's what they're really focused on, they then go and have a cloud platform access issue in the last uh, in the last couple of weeks, where oh, what was pe- that? Oh, people couldn't actually log on to the IBM cloud console to access their cloud services, oh, you know, dear. So it's got an an administrative console that you'd log into to check performance and capacity and all that type of thing. But you just don't want those sort of stories going out. Well, not if you're trying to pitch yourself as the hybrid cloud company. So me and I and I see. I mean, those numbers are terrible. I see they've now had to generate and create a new way of generating money. Well, as they always have, (laughs) uh, but not but but not by creating anything. I mean, this is purely in the this is consuming more than they create category if ever there was one. So. We know they've been auditing people. We know it's been more difficult to audit people to you know, build up their revenue and to uh, support the declining revenue within the departments. So they've come up with a remote way of auditing people called RISE. Hmm. It's interesting, it's a remote IBM software evaluation. And basically what this is, is it's a, it's a portal, which you know, the likes of Deloitte and KPMG have developed, where customers can se- essentially self-declare. So they create a portal, the client does all the work, they self-declare, and then IBM tells you how much money you owe them. Oh, so that's I would, a much easier way to get money. Much easier way. And you can target smaller companies who've been suffering during the pandemic with the platform as well. Oh, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's how I read it. Right, uh, so Rise is like a bit like a, the ABC, <laughs> the Art of, art of Bargain yeah. Close kind of Yeah, it's the tactic. opposite of a phoenix, uh, basically. <laughs> but uh, what I would say, though, is, is anybody listening on the show is, you know, whatever you do, always consider your defense here. Don't just sign up and start loading up data files and, and potentially issues with your ILMT configuration or something. You know, check what you're doing. Defend yourself. Oh, 100%. You know, don't, don't, don't just log in and sign up and start loading up your data. Make I think, sure. listen, I think companies know now this is crazy. This yeah. kind of, this whole, this the audit was a legitimate way of identifying companies who were using software that they shouldn't have been using. But that whole the whole thing has shifted now. In the last 10 years, actually, this is just a money-making racket. That's all it is. Yeah. It doesn't stop the entitlement for this, but this is, it's. there's been a lot of pushback on this. There's even an organization that actually, we'll talk about it later, called the Fair Software uh, dot cloud an organization was set up in France here in Europe to look mm. at this mm. around you know the practices around audit 
like there, there really needs to be some change, and I, we see it actually in the legislative, legislative policy of, of, the, of the European Commission, actually, mm. where rules will be, will be made. Like you just see in the last couple of days, they've come out with new rules around uh, guidelines that are starting to be come out around uh, artificial intelligence, and it's been said already that that is where that's the that's where the, the legal framework, the global legal framework, will start. It's here in Europe, and they're going to look at this. This is a practice that needs to be. Monitored yeah. because it's not it's 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 an un, it's an unfair monitoring practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we see it all the time for, yeah. for customers. We know who they are, who get uh, you know they have a they have an audit. They're told that they owe tens of millions of dollars, and, yeah. and it's not the case. And they they get it somebody in to defend them, and it can go down to zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just malpractice. Ah, the other thing I saw, I saw they they're going to charge for the weather. Yeah, well, I saw this as quite interesting, actually, and not necessarily a bad story because it's actually quite an interesting business. You know, if you look at it, you know, that they bought the weather company in uh, 2016 uh, and now they're flipping it. So if you if you don't want ads, you pay money to get free weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <it's, laughs> I'm trying not to laugh, but you can get... You, you can, think this you is can, a, you can now pay for the weather. Are you going to invest? You can pay for the weather forecast. And we uh, have Devon coming on shortly. We'll ask him: is it, is it is it a good investment? We'll we'll move on. They've about a million people <laughs> Any, who've signed up to get the weather forecast uh, for thirty thirty. Bucks I, I heard they stole anyway. The cloud that didn't work earlier. Some I believe some guy claims that they they stole it. Well, yeah, there's there's been a, a lawsuit filed in the federal court in Manhattan. There's a gentleman by the name of Gerald Hayden who has claimed that IBM stole trade secrets and interactive property from himself and is suing them basically for lost earnings and he wants a share of the profits from the IBM. We've talked about it, hybrid cloud, cloud and specifically cloud pack for data and the business process platform. So he's claiming that while... Uh, he was working in another company. He did work in IBM back in the 90s, and he was a co-author of WebSphere, which everybody knows. Yeah. But he's worked around the market. Uh, he's obviously a very smart guy, and he came up with this this uh, business process uh, methodology called Awareness to Execution, which essentially allows integration between client workflows, between departments. So it sounds pretty smart. And you know, he, he deployed and promoted this around the industry. But then he joined IBM, and he was told that he should disclose uh, any trade secrets or other intellectual property that he might have developed before joining IBM, and that if he did, that IBM would protect it, and that they'd ensure that no other employee would use it without his permission. And that's what they did. No other employee used it out of position, but they used it without his permission, and according to the, the lawsuit, so he was moved, A, A2E was moved around IPM, utilized to drive new business. And then poor Mr. Hayden was shut out and then he was how, eventually fired. How, how much money is he looking for, do they say? Well, if he's looking for a share of profits from IBM's hybrid cloud and their cloud oh dear, data, that quite, could be... Very little. Very little. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot. Speaking of very little, yeah, then, yeah, come on, give us some... Yeah. I see we, we're in earnings season. Who, who's had some earnings? We've had well, oh. Microsoft. Yeah, Microsoft. There. I mean, you know, we can never find bad stories about Microsoft. There's one coming, but they've had some fantastic earnings. They've posted a 90% increase quarter on quarter. Nine, nine, oh. N- 19. 19. 19. But, but actually, it's the biggest quarterly increase since... Still uh, 19 for that size. It's huge. Since 2018, yeah, yeah. it's the biggest quarterly increase the company's had. They've uh, yeah posted earnings of you know nearly 42 billion. They're nearing a two trillion dollar valuation, and their shares are up 18 percent year to date uh, compared to 12 percent for the S and P. So 
everything's going well. Their teams chat. Their you know the teams which yeah. we, which we use the teams for Chatham uh, is um, 145 million daily active users up from 150 million. So that's going from strength to strength. So mostly positive. Uh, they've also had the largest acquisition of the year so far that I could find, which was um, uh, they acquired the uh, Boston, Massachusetts company Nuance yeah. for. 19.7 billion in an all cash deal yeah not too bad and so they're a yeah they were found in 92 and it's conversational ai technology so that's the biggest acquisition of the year so far they had a bad story though they well i guess as bad as it can we could find yeah a company in the uk value license are taking them to court uh they're suing them for 270 million so these are guys i don't know whether you, you may remember you remember this the usof article case going back oh, yeah. back in 2012 the, the um, european court of justice made a ruling uh, against mm. article in favor of usof this is a small german company who were who were basically selling second-hand licenses mm. article licenses on the second mm. on the market and actually ruled in favor of Usof. So actually that opened up the market. Mm. So you got guys like okay. value licensing, and we would have met, met companies like yeah. Soft Corner in France or relicensing who are yeah. kind of around Germany and other yeah. parts of, of, of Europe. Um, so it's only within Europe. They're actually taking a lawsuit alleging that Microsoft is using anti-competitive practices to get companies mm. to give up their licenses in exchange for discounts rather than selling the licenses to companies like Value Licensing, yeah, so they're actually yeah. trying to shut them out of the market. Yeah, they're saying they're using their size and, and they're yeah, and, and that they're pushing customers, I believe. To, yeah. yeah, listen, do you need to do that with nineteen percent increase it increase to the sort of money? Like it's, it's perfectly legal to do what they're doing, hmm. and they're just creating bad press for themselves. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, God knows we look hard enough for bad press, but uh, no, yeah, it, it's unethical. It's anti-competitive. They yeah, shouldn't yeah. be doing it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's as bad as that ABC the audit, audit bargain close. It's like the restrictive practices. And it's also like, you look at the companies, this is the issue with many of these big, big companies, that they're constantly looking for ways to manipulate the market. They're manipulating their customers as best they can. And actual fact, they give an awful support. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a, you know, if you look at the support model, I mean, the business we're in, you've got organizations who are in the business that there's a trend to either offshore, nearshore, or Never answered the phone. Sure, <laughs> you know they just don't want to get involved. Well, they go to Geordie Shore. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so and there's a lot of stuff happening. I mean, think looking at the kind of legal landscape as well. You're looking at I don't know whether you saw the article very be Google very uh, Supreme. interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in April, beginning of April there, at the beginning of the month, they had Google were uh, were successful. Final mm-hmm. decision. They're legally allowed now use the Oracle Java API code to build um, Android, which totally protects. The market, which allows a level of innovation, to be fair, a six to two decision by the Supreme Court. It said Google's copying of the API to implement a user interface, taking only what was needed to allow users to put their accrued talents to work in a new and transform- transformative program, constituted a fair use hmm. of that material. C- critical fair use. Yeah, sounds reasonable. Yeah, t- totally. And ultimately, this overturned the previous federal decision that hmm. found in favour of Oracle at the time. So mm. uh, I think this is actually very interesting. But one of the interesting things you probably mm. heard afterwards, what Google then decided, we're going to move off Oracle SAP. Yeah, not connected. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was, they yeah. said they'd do it in a few weeks. Well, Have you ever heard a transformation project from Oracle to SAP take a few weeks? Never. 
if they must be using the new SAP Rise uh, business transformation process. Yeah, that yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, look, Google, Google, and Arc, uh, Google and Oracle have never been pals. Um, no, no. And tell what about SAP though? Then that's going to help SAP's numbers. Yeah. yeah, look, SAP's you know SAP's earnings are a bit of a damn squib to be honest. I mean, nothing. You know, I was reading them with that with not a huge amount of interest. They're up, they're up two percent year on year. The only thing that actually was of interest in in the announcement was that uh, the client hit back at Larry. Do you remember in, in Oracle's uh, last earnings call? Oh, yeah, then we talk about the last yeah. podcast. So yeah. it's a 45-minute earnings call. He took a third of the earnings call, reeling off a list of customers that he said that Oracle had won from SAP. So the only thing that was interesting was what would happen? What would Ar- what would SAP say? So, so Klein hit back at Oracle saying that the claims were unfounded. And he said it was a positive sign that one of their competitors spent so much time talking about SAP on their own earnings call. And then he went on to say, we went through their list and uh, check their claims. Now, he didn't say we went through the list, check their claims, and we found them to be false. He just said we went through the list and checked their claims. So, you know, in the ongoing spat between the two, it's quite funny, actually. But Yeah, well, Larry's okay. Do you hear he bought a nice house in Florida? <laughs> yeah. They were asking 79.5 million for it. So he said around 80 million, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I don't think he's got much to complain about, really, fortunately. No, no, first world problems there. Sadly, yeah. sadly. And do you know what? This will be a very good time to bring Devon in. Devon, are you, are you there? Are you still there? You fall, I hope you haven't fallen asleep. Devon? Devon? I'm still here. I am still here. I, did, I shut off my video because my feed was a little choppy, but uh, you don't need to see me. Uh, I think my, my deep radio voice will, will be just fine for this. You have you have that voice. Apparently, it's a voice that gets recognised at airports. I believe. Um, I hope you didn't only, mind me. Only, only in Copenhagen. No, no only once, <laughs> yeah. and only in Copenhagen. I think there may have yeah. been some hash involved. It's still a good story. It's still a good story. I can't believe actually you're you're actually a history of art major. You're active in non-profit activities with Three Walls in Chicago, and you know the tech industry, and you like music. I hope you didn't mind my travelling Wilburys uh, description. And you're a podcast expert, really. Well, I'd say a podcast veteran. That doesn't just because you're a veteran doesn't mean you're an expert. But yeah, I like underdogs. Yeah, I, I was listening to a really actually, to be fair, your private equity fund cast. And I know absolutely nothing about private equity. Well, I, I think I know a little bit more having listened to some of the, the podcasts yourself and Jim do. But I was listening to one or two of them that you've done specifically on some of the you talk, where you've talked about some of the older tech companies and legacy tech companies there was a conversation between yourself and Jim at one point where you were talking about what happens to some of these big companies. And, and, you know, this is something we talk about all the time. And the topic of our, of our podcast today is about the big companies. Is it a fair argument to say that they now consume more than they create? And it's, that's part of the cause of their decline. But one of the things I, that re- resonated with me was a comment you made to Jim when you were talking about the decline in, I think it was digital or deck at the time, and you know, trying to explain what happened, you talked. You mentioned that the, you said brushes with death, as in the death of a company. You were talking about happened because of a lack of imagination, not a lack of opportunity. I just thought that resonated really, really strongly with me. In and and I know with Brendan as well, because that that's what we talk about a lot. I, I know we we do it with a tongue in cheek here, but we 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 almost cringe with the number of times and the things that they these big corporations do, where they just miss the goal would that how is is that what you meant by that or what did you mean by that can you remember saying that i don't remember saying it but uh you know when you have a lot of volume of talking sometimes something good comes out 
I, good one. Now that you, now that you play it back to me, I'd say uh, I'm glad I said it. It sounds profound. It's well phrased. Uh, so definitely, you know, the writer's room punched it up a little bit before I before I read it. Yeah, I think that's it's true, right? So, you know, as you're talking about, it, I'm trying to think of like, well, why does that happen like over and over and over again in the tech world? And you think of like the tech world. You, know, you basically, you know, if you if you bought a factory like a widget factory, and and what we do in here in the states is we buy software companies and fix them up. You know, which has been going on for a long time in private equity. It used to be you buy industrial companies and fix them up, or service companies and fix them up. In te- if you bought a widget factory in the five years you owned it, say as a private equity firm, you wouldn't have to like tear down the widget factory and rebuild a whole new one in those five years. Maybe you'd add another line, or you'd add another uh, shift. Uh, maybe expand uh, the, the widget machine uh, so we could do, you know, 10,000 widgets an hour instead of 2,000. But in software, you basically have to burn the place down every five years and start over. Uh, and that's really hard for big companies to do. It's harder for big companies to do with kind of the short-termerism in the public markets. So a big public mm-hmm. tech company is under a lot of pressure to deliver, you know, 89 days from now. And then you get one day to breathe and do your earnings announcement like you guys talked about earlier. And then you got 89 days to go prove yourself again. And then you have management teams that are compensated for stock performance versus, you know, long-term performance, shareholder value versus stakeholder value, um, share buybacks used, you know, cash used to buy back shares to, to pump the price rather than to make acquisitions or to, you know, to give investors back their money. I mean, I think that all goes into like these C- CEOs and management teams of big public software companies are in a really tough spot. I think it's great to be public and, you know, Facebook fought it for a long time and they've never thrived more than when they were public. I think, you know, you're seeing it more tech companies are going public more and more. I think there's more positives than negatives, but when you get big, like what's the incentive for Oracle to burn themselves down and Mm. to just build themselves back up. So they kind of miss, they miss the opportunity and they're not that imaginative, right? I mean, Larry Ellison owns islands and stuff. So like, you know, what's the motivation for him to, to go do something super innovative rather than just use this capital to buy innovation. Yeah, I know. And what's the, what, at what point does that, does that happen then? Like, it sounds to me the story you're, you're saying there, Devin, is that big organizations at a certain point in time, I mean, I, as, on, as entrepreneurs, we, we're, we're, we have a company that's, that's fast growing. We're, um, our, our goal when you start out is to create a, create a product or a service that, that you can bring to the market. So it's about creating something. Um, is there a point in, in it, is it inevitable that at some point in every company's journey that it is no longer able to do that and actually its only way is to go and buy other products and their to add value is how clever that acquisition is or how clever it maybe seems as opposed to actually is 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 there is that what happens i want to say yes but uh and jeff bezos at amazon's proved that wrong you know, he created a narrative. <clears throat> well, he created a narrative two decades ago that he wasn't going to be wildly profitable. So he, he's the investors that selected into Amazon didn't require massive profits. They let him reinvest those profits into more interesting things, right? So we can have lots of fun at Jeff Bezos's expense, but um, but he reinvented that business many times over, and then AWS if it was its own separate company, would probably be one of the 10 most valuable companies in the world sitting inside Amazon. So you look at Microsoft and Oracle and 
you know, we've, I used to cover the industry as a stock analyst 25 years ago, Jim worked for digital, he worked for Oracle, you know, we've kind of all been observers of these big tech companies or for Jim's purposes and for everybody listening who doesn't know who Jim is, Jim Milbury is um, my co-founder and, a, and a, a longtime CTO. So I look at the investment side, he looks at the product development side when we make an investment. I also famously fought uh, Tex Cobb, who if you've ever seen um, Raising Arizona, a great Coen Brothers movie, he was the motorcyclist yeah. of the apocalypse. So Jim fought him professionally. Uh, and lost, but uh, uh, but he, they did. They did. It wasn't just a barroom brawl. It was an actual fight for a medal or something or a pin. I don't know what they give fighters in the eighties. Uh, so, so yeah. So we've been inside these companies. We've seen it. So yeah. No, it's not. I don't think it. We just, we just, we just say fighting that. Devin was he boxing as in Queensbury rules? Yeah. No, like kickboxing. Oh. Jim Jim paid his way through college kickboxing. He learned how to fight in high school because he was in a gifted program of a very large Boston high school where he was getting beat up all the time and he decided that he better learn to defend himself. And then he used it to pay his way through college because, you know, his parents were fresh off the boat Irish in Brockton, Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, they weren't saving a whole lot for college back in those days. They were distracted with other things. He needed to get his way through college. Yeah. So I guess it's not, you know, it's the exception. Amazon's probably the exception, not the rule, but you know, there, I, if I, if I thought harder about it, there are probably exceptions of companies reinventing themselves. You know, Oracle kind of birthed NetSuite and then obviously bought NetSuite back in-house. You know, is that innovation? Not re I don't think so. Uh, but, you know, they also say Oracle, the hardware Oracle software runs on best as the overhead projector, so. Yeah, still, still, still I'm not sure how true that is anymore, but because the, the overhead projector, they're hard to find. I want to ask the question, you talked about Jeff Bezos maybe being the exception to the rule. But he stepped down as CEO now, and, and, and there are people out there who, who can be the exception to the rule. But when he's gone off the stage, perhaps Amazon will just resort to type. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, you know, everybody gave Tim Cook a hard time when he, ste when he stepped in for, uh, at Apple. And I think Tim Cook, from what I can tell, he's done a phenomenal job with that organization. It's been good timing, but, you know, everybody thought Apple was, uh, was on the decline uh, when he stepped in. So I think it could happen. He picked the right guy, right? The guy who run an AWS to run it. I mean, that organization yeah. also appears to run on a very, it runs like a Swiss clock. He's put management systems into that organization to help it run the way it runs. So I, I think I probably long Amazon. I think it should be broken up, um, but I'm long Amazon. I, I think if you, the Bezos family is like, if you want to look at Bezos, look at his wife and his wife is giving away all the money and making the world a better place. And, and Jeff's trying to get himself to Mars somehow while he becomes bionic. I mean, if you look at physical transformation over the last 20 years, that's probably more impressive than Amazon's uh, transformation. <laughs> you know, he went from yeah, like a, yeah. a nerd quant hedge fund guy to the Terminator. It's uh, an impressive, impressive for, you know, for me as I turned 50 a couple weeks ago. I too could could uh, increase the size of my neck by fifty percent. <laughs> well, if you have to go to Mars, you probably will need a neck that size anyway. That's for sure. But it is it is interesting to see what's going to happen there because we if we'd like to if I bring the conversation just back to IBM. I mean, IBM has spent most of its its growth projection of activity for the last fifteen years buying companies, buying software companies, buying technology. I mean, they bought Red Hat there for. $34 billion, I think it was. Yeah. Um, uh, in 2019, they are now, though, at a point where they're actually 
breaking things up. I mean, you see Dell breaking up VMware, separating VMware out. You got IBM separating out their a business really that's that's tanking. I don't know if you know, if you know much about their managed service business. This is their bit, their long term big contracts with big organizations where they do they outsource um, the operational side of the IT function. Increasingly, they're they're not able. That we from what we can tell, our own anecdotal evidence is that they're unable to compete. They're sort of separating it out to allow it to have some sort of life on its own. But it's it's declined from over twenty billion, twenty five billion, I think it was plus a couple of years ago mm-hmm. to sub twenty billion at the moment. Oh, we got to forty billion. Oh, at one point, yeah, yeah. So it's it's been a huge company, but it's been massively tanking over the last couple of years. It's obviously been dragging down the revenues. So that's why they're trying to get rid of it, but. They have many parts of their business that have just got, that are just standing still. So is that what you, that's what happens? They 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 grow to a size through acquisition. The acquisition starts falling apart, and then it seems that they just said, "Right, let's break this up." And it's again, it's it's like the the opposite of the previous engineering they did, isn't it? Well, I think you know what, like show me uh, results, and I'll show you the incentives that drove those results. So I think you know a lot of this has to do with the incentive system for management. You've got relatively disengaged public company boards. Uh, who are scared of their own shadow, right? They don't tell, they don't really act as a check on management. You have management teams who are incentivized for stock price performance. You know, you've got these companies that just like, you know, spew cash and they don't want to have dividends, right? Because they're trying to be growth companies and growth companies apparently don't pay out dividends. Uh, so they do share buybacks and they use the cash for acquisitions because, you know, you hire a new head of corp dev or you hire a new CEO and has he differentiate himself or herself? Let me go do a big acquisition. You know, I think the, a lot of these big companies would have done would have benefited from antitrust enforcement, stopping them in some ways of getting bigger. The American way was breaking up monopolies. Uh, We've been doing it for hundreds of years and we've gotten away from that in the last 30 years uh, of stopping these big mergers from happening. And I think you just, again, so it's like what the the meaning of life when the guy's just like, you know, the Monty Python movie where he's just like, he wants a wafer thin mint and he has that last mint and that's it. And he blows up spews all over the place you know there's a lot there's a lot of that in uh in m in m and a and and tech m and a is now the is now the next big thing i mean it's shocking that that the doj in the united states has allowed some of these mergers to happen there is an undercurrent of populism um and that's kind of being translated as like let's go after big tech i definitely don't agree with some of the underpinnings of that movement we can get that in that into a different podcast, but I do think big tech probably should be broken up. Uh, Facebook should not own what it owns. Uh, Amazon should, should certainly should split itself off from AWS and on down the line. You know, I, I used yeah. to cover, yeah. I used to cover into it a long, long time ago, uh, the tax accounting software business in the United States and Microsoft had a product called Microsoft money. And nobody used it, but they gave it away for free. But it's it was you know typical garbage Microsoft product, mm. and they tried to buy into it, which was a public company at the time, and it was relatively small compared to today's size. And the DOJ blocked it because they thought it was anti-competitive that Microsoft would own Microsoft Money, right? Which no none of these listeners ever even heard of that product because it was such a bad product and nobody used it, uh, and they mm. wouldn't allow them buy into it, which probably at the time was you know. Less than a billion dollar merger would have been, I guess. I'm guessing, but it was tiny in comparison to what's going on today. And, you know, the fact that that happened 25 years ago and today, you know, we just watch as these huge companies gobble each other up and think what's bad for consumers at the end of the day, it stifles innovation. At the end of the day, it's bad for the companies that are doing the acquiring because they're just getting bloated and, uh, and less nimble. Yeah. 
I think your, your, your observation around the antitrust, the breaking up of companies in the past being really good for innovation is, 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 is very apt, to be honest with you. I, I don't know why there's been such a reluctance in the in the recent past to not do that. I do I do see a glimmer of hope, and maybe I'm wrong here. Uh, we can instantly get your view. I mean, there is. I'm sure you're familiar with the House Antitrust Committee. There's a chair um, called David Cicilline, I think is his name, who's the chair of that committee. And they've had, obviously, as you probably have seen on the news, they've had all the major, the, the big tech, the the, the Facebooks, Apple. Google in, in and Microsoft in there to explain themselves. It's, it does appear that they're taking an interest, but I don't know whether is that just all on the surface and very little will happen. Do you think, or, or do you do you, ha, do you think that potentially there will be action taken, regardless of the motivation? Yeah, I mean, have you watched those hearings? They're embarrassing. How out of touch these lawmakers are with technology. I mean, they don't they don't know the difference between Android and iOS. They don't know the difference between a a Samsung phone uh, and an and an iPhone. It's a really embarrassing yeah. to watch these these old farts not even be able yeah. to have a no, rational conversation. It, it, yeah, it's truly embarrassing for us. That's one. Two is Google has more lobbyists in Washington D.C. than there are U.S. senators. They have more than a hundred lobbyists on staff than there are senators. So you just can't compete. The senators and the House reps, you know, are a joke. When it comes to this stuff, you know, we're basically hiring Twitter personalities to run our government rather than people who care about policy. So I think what's going to happen is I, I pay attention to not don't pay attention to the jokers in Congress. Pay attention to the Department of Justice, uh, Merrick Garland, who he's hiring for their antitrust group, are people who literally wrote the paper on how to break up tech, not big tech. Okay. So he's hiring people who are in the DOJ. They've hired people in the last few months that are literally the thought leaders and academic paper writers around um, the case for splitting up big technology companies. And I would say, you know, for me as a tech investor who wants more innovation, more competition, we think it's better for customers, consumers, all that stuff. So, I mean, I'm talking my own book here uh, as an investor mm -hmm. is I think I look to the European Union. I think, you know, we follow them. They're coming after Google and, you know, the U.S. will be will become after that. They'll come after Amazon, we'll, we'll follow. So we're not the leaders here globally, actually, the European Union is, and I, I'm, I'm rooting them, rooting for the European Union to, to make uh, you know stringent regulations that they have to follow, and then they just bring over to the US because it's too hard to operate in a, a dual-track system. They should just you know operate the same way across the US and the EU. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There, there seems to be a shift in, 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 from a regulatory perspective from the US to, to Europe, uh, even though there's probably more, more cooperation from the Biden administration than there was under the previous administration. But yeah, for sure. I mean, the Republicans in the US are trying to be populists, like, oh, we're for the worker. Oh, but don't raise the middle, don't raise the minimum wage. Yeah. And so they're trying to be the, you know, Republicans have been the friend of corporations until recently, right? If you look at the yeah. name Tom, Tom Cotton here and Josh Hawley, you know, two Ivy League educated rich kids who pretend to be men of the people so always worry about mm -hmm. that you know i mean josh Hawley went to oxford and like you know taught at a one of the most prestigious prep schools in america but he's apparently a man of the people now so you see a lot of this yeah. going on and then the democrats you know they were historically more tougher on business 
uh, they're going to be a little tougher with some taxation, which is probably warranted. They are, they raise so much money from the CEOs of these companies now because of the social agenda, which is, you know, I subscribe to, uh, but they're so they're scared to, to go after them for that way. So you've got a bit of a stalemate. The Republicans aren't serious about it. Uh, it's just to win votes, not to actually do anything about it. And the, and the Democrats don't want to do anything about it because uh, it's how they raise money. So it's a little bit of yeah. a screwed up here in America, but like as what Winston Churchill say, we do, America does the right thing after they've exhausted all other options. Yeah, um, that's where we have faith that it will happen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. To one other topic I was keen to chat to you about and get your view on, uh, Devin, is we when we look at all of the the mega vendors in the software world, the traditional enterprise software players, actually, despite the joke of the overhead projector with Oracle, they have some very good products, whether they made them themselves or brought them in. I mean, we look at the IBM portfolio products, there's some excellent products, but history is we've surrounded ourselves. If you look back through history books of, of technology companies, and I think yourself and Jim spoke about this as well, right, the best tech just doesn't win. It's not about having the best technology. Sure it's not. Um, regardless of how good that technology is, look at Microsoft's success. I mean, their technology is an awful lot better today than it was, but you know, we, we, Control-Alt-Delete is still the best solution to, an, to a Microsoft problem. And yet they're the biggest software company in the world. Uh, I, you know, there's a, there's a, even over the years, you've been in tech for a long time. You must have seen so many companies with cracking technology just couldn't get there. Well, it is, it's, it's good to be an investor in tech when you know the big guys uh, can't innovate because you innovate. And then, um, you know, venture capital in the United States has outsourced innovation for big tech companies, you know, just like it has been for pharmaceutical companies for a long time, right? Like Pfizer didn't create the, the vaccine. They bought it from a, a German startup, basically, right? So, um, you know, they're not innovators, they're uh, resource allocators. And I think that uh, tech companies are following a very, very similar path as the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, so that's good for yeah, so that's good. For, I mean, I think that's good for investors and for startups and for entrepreneurs like you all, because you can innovate and there's a, you know, probably a home for your business at a very attractive price for the owners. Probably not great a career path for the employees that stick around afterwards, because who wants to work for Oracle or Microsoft um, when you can work for a more nimble organization? So I think that I think that's going to continue. And I think that's generally a good thing for investors and entrepreneurs because there's home for these for these businesses. Yeah, but you know, I don't think people look to to big tech for innovation anymore. Uh, and but no. Satya Nadella, like I, I I'm not a close Microsoft watcher, um, but Satya Nadella coming in and kind of bringing consumer into the enterprise, I think. Uh, I mean, we see it in our own portfolio. You know, we buy kind of old, buy old software companies and and fix them up. Uh, the expectation that Apple and kind of you know pure web-based, cloud-based um, companies have have created for the enterprise is that user interface actually is very important. So the expectation is your enterprise software should work like your i the app on your iPhone, or like the best you know Ajax you know, website you go to that's, um, you know, that adjusts your phone size and form factor and all those things. So the pressure on the enterprise to innovate from a user experience, user interface, I don't think a lot of people care what's behind the covers, but those covers need to be quite pretty. And new buyers, you know, as 20 year olds become 30 year olds and are now have budget to buy stuff, you can't show up with a crap user interface anymore and it better work really well. Uh, and you've got like 20 seconds on the demo to impress somebody or they're going to just move on to the next thing. 
I think Microsoft's figured that out. I'd say their acquisitions they made into the Outlook suite. Um, so calendaring and some other email stuff they've bought. You know, I use Outlook on my iPhone. I think it's great. I think the G Suite is garbage. It still is garbage. I use it all the time and I still can't figure out the user interface. I think actually, you know, Outlook, Excel, PowerPoint, Word have come a long, long way and they work great on my iPad. They work great on my desktop. They were great on my phone and they're all integrated behind the scenes. Like, I think that's, that's a great example of how, you know, a, an enterprise as big as Microsoft with new leadership and a new approach can, can innovate well. You know, not their bulk of their revenue, a lot of their earnings for Microsoft coming from that. But, uh, you know, I think keep an eye on, on what Microsoft's doing. I would look at them as one of the more innovative old tech companies out there. And I think mostly that can be at the feet of Sachin Nadella. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, this, but they're, they're an outlier really, aren't they? You know, and I think the, if you look, I think we're looking at the David versus Goliath stories. David still has, is, is a lot nimbler. Um, and is able to do things faster. That's great. And the business you're in is about helping David have a nice exit along that journey. Um, so I think it's uh, what you what you. We just put David in some lifts, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, lo I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do you do a great. Made job. him an inch or two taller. He doesn't. You know, he's never going to be as big yeah. as Goliath. But you know, if he can present mm -hmm. larger, it's like when a bear is attacking you. You're supposed to like make yourself look bigger. Yeah. Or just run, uh, by the way, than, or just run faster than your fat friend, and you'll be fine. But but by the way, Devin, by the way, Devin, if you want, if if Jim being if wants to be a David versus a Goliath, you know we sponsor uh, an up and coming uh, light heavyweight boxer. If he wants to get into a boxing ring and try the Queensby <laughs> rules instead of his feet, Madison Square Gardens, maybe when things get back to normal, we get Tony Brown is a uh, is our is our boxer here out of Ireland who's hopefully. Gonna, gonna gonna get all the way to a to a world championship belt. We're hoping, and uh, yeah, I, I think Jim had his last fight. <laughs> well, he broke his foot doing jumping jacks, so that kind of you know curtailed his <laughs> his fighting uh, lately. And having a kid at fifty six, I think uh, having I your first I kid at fifty six. <laughs> Brilliant, Devin. Another good Irishman on our team. He's uh he's like one hundred and forty five pounds, and he fights so. We're, we're out scouring the middle schools to find somebody who can fight at his, at his weight class. Uh, so he'd yeah. only fight 12 year olds really, but he's one of those scrappy little Irish guys <laughs> that you're most scared of because they don't feel any pain and they love to get punched. It's the big guys. You can't, you're not that scared of it's the oh, yeah. scrappy guys. That I'm scared of most. No, no, those, those, those skinny little scrawny guys, they just keep coming, you know, well, it's like and the they, Brad Pitt character bones. They hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Brad Pitt character from Snatch, right? Oh, yeah. So it's like that's Mill that's Milligan. He's uh he's sneak up on you. Yeah. yeah, he hit me with a surprise left. You know that line? <laughs> Devin, listen, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks so much for joining us. You opened our eyes to some some really interesting things there. And particularly actually I like your your observation around the department what's what's happening in the Department of Justice in the US to see what's gonna happen with uh, big tech. Mm. We'll keep a closer eye on that. Uh, maybe we're looking at the wrong things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for that. And listen, we'll uh, we'll keep posted on your uh, connected with your podcast yourself. And thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. Oh, hopefully, I gave your so listeners some Very some ear candy for uh, this this episode. And uh, when it's all safe and sound, we'll see you back in uh, in the states. And hundred percent for sure, we'll be back in Ireland uh, as soon as it's safe and uh, and legal. 
Yeah. We good will, stuff. Good we, stuff. We we'll, will. Go to, we'll go to a wet pub when you get there. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Brilliant. Oh my God, that's it. Another, yeah, that, another, went, that went quickly. Another podcast, another month done. Um, sunshine is getting better. Things It'll be May. It'll be May soon. We might even get to travel without having to get swabs and nasal injections or whatever it is. Ah, you know. Don't worry about it. It's easy. Great. We'll see everybody in a month's time. Yeah, looking forward to it. A thank you from me. And thanks for me. And thanks to Devon. Thank you. Take care, everybody.